first of all, daylight saving time. What a waste of everybody's psychic energy. This is this crap. I hate daylight saving time. Are you really going to rail about this or are you going to yell at clouds too? Uh, Well, no. Give me a good reason why daylight saving time exists. And it's daylight saving time, singular, not savings time, plural. Why does it exist? Well, we know why it's supposed to exist. It's supposed to help save on coal and all of that. It's a 100-year-old idea, and the only reason why we haven't scrapped it is because we've been doing it for this long. It'd be such a pain in the ass to fix it. No, it wouldn't. It would not. There were many territories around the world where we don't deal with it. All, and if you're talking about computers and other things that require automatic daylight saving time updates, just push a fix, and it's push a patch, and it's fine. We can be like Saskatchewan. Okay, here's the here's the here's the problem is that there are some parts of the world that really need it. Otherwise, you don't get sunlight until like eight in the morning, eight thirty a.m. Can you imagine? Listen, it is artificial engineering of the human existence. We were meant to get up with the sun and go to bed when the sun goes down. This idea of giving us more sunlight in the evening does absolutely nothing, and it always screws everybody's body clock up. Uh, when we make the switches twice a year. It's dumb. It's not a universal thing. I think we should scrap it. So anyway, don't start trying to convince me otherwise because... Oh, I, I don't I don't disagree. I'm just saying good luck. Like on your deathbed, your biggest regret is going to be that you <laughs> didn't change daylight saving time. I haven't actually really tried that hard. The thing is, is that people complain about losing an hour of sleep and all of that kind of stuff. And... If you are the parent of a small child, you are up anyway. This doesn't impact you at all, and you just get to sit back and cackle. It's one of the few times where being hauled out of bed at the crack of dawn by a child actually works in your favor. Fine, whatever. I do have uh, a dog, though, which cost me $4,700 in dental bills. (laughs) Wait, what? It needed braces? Here we go. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, simulcast on shortwave radio and Citizens Band 14, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. Two months after DJ Earworm put out his annual United State of Pop, he unleashes his seventh circle of hell. On humanity. And the One Direction mashup is blowing up on the internet. We'll talk to this Los Angeles-based DJ about what makes the perfect mashup. Plus, a new feature on the big show guaranteed to drive you bonkers. How often do you get bonkers in this copy? Uh, this is true. Not very often. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. What are you feeding this dog? Twizzlers? Well, she's a chewer. She's a terrier, right? So what ended up happening is that that these teeth at the back, these molars, uh, cracked and got infected, and uh, they 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 had to come out. And you got to be very careful with with dogs because, or anybody actually with infected teeth, because that's the kind of bacteria that can get into your heart and kill you. So uh, we don't have kids. We just had these bull terriers, and we made sure that uh, you know she was well taken care of. But forty seven hundred dollars, it was just. Um, Oh, God, that that got the weekend off to a poor start. Do you have the pet insurance? Because oh, we do. Because dad had a brilliant idea. Actually, his girlfriend gets the credit for it, is instead of getting the pet insurance, he went out and got the dog a mutual fund. That 
That's interesting. You see the accruing of value in the mutual fund over time, and over time, that helps pay for the dog. That's subtly brilliant, you know? As opposed to insurance where you're paying a premium and that just sort of disappears over time. Oh, yeah. See? Oh. There's no off position on the genius switch. I'm going to have to speak to my financial planner about that one and open a mutual fund in in the baby dog's name. Okay. Well, technically, you can't open it in the name of the dog. Well, no, I, I understand. But, I mean, we would funnel money into that account under my name with the expressed uh, purpose of accruing funds for the dog's care in her old age. Exactly. In her old age, of course, accelerating seven times faster, you're going to want to put that thing in a high-performing mutual fund. Yep. Definitely high risk. Okay. We'll go into a- All Bitcoin. And emerging markets. Yes. (laughs) Wow. That has got to be the, the nerdiest business conversation you and I have ever had. I'm really impressed. Like, seriously, that's a really good idea. There you go. And it paid off already. All right. Well, I, um, that's off. Way to go. Here's my idea. It's called the earworm of the week. Oh, no. Stay with me. I'm going to put you in a cone of silence and start playing the song that has been stuck in my head all goddamn week. Okay. Now, here's the idea. I'll give you hints, but you can't hear the track. So if you can successfully identify the earworm that's been stuck in my head, I'll spare the listener the suffering of having to put it into their head, too. But if you cannot guess the song before the post, it is all your fault. Oh, I see. So I will be the infector. Yes, I'm not taking any responsibility for this. All right, all right. What I'll do is I'll describe the song and give you clues. Are you ready for this? Okay, go ahead. All right. The track was recorded in 1980 in the Bahamas at Compass Point Studios. It was never actually a huge hit for the artist, but it did go on to number 44 on the UK singles chart, topped out at 40 in Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. The song is believed to be about the musician's experience mingling among the political class of Bahamas at the time. The male protagonist is always running around trying to act like a big shot, while his long-suffering wife feels like she's little more than arm candy as she counts the walls. It's believed to be the inspiration for Rod Stewart's hit a year later, titled Young Turks, and it was used in the 80s as the signature tune in ad selling Renault cars. Do you know what it is yet? No. Here's the biggest hint. The musician died of a heart attack in 2003 at the age of 54 in Paris. Duran Duran at the time stated, quote, He was a very dear friend and a great artist. This is a tragic loss to the British music industry. Can may I ask a few questions? You're running out of time. I know, I know. But let me add, uh, British artist? Yes. Died 54, 2003, heart attack. Uh, uh, Oh, you're out of time. It's Robert Palmer's Johnny and Mary from 1980. Johnny's always running around trying to find certainty. He needs all the world to confirm that he ain't lonely. Mary counts the walls, knows he tires easily. Johnny thinks the world would be right. Says he changes his mind more than the wool. 
I would have never gotten Johnny and Mary, but Robert Palmer I should have got. Oh, God. Uh, Robert Palmer was um, a guy that came out of the UK, had a number of big hits, beginning with Bad Case of Loving You in the late 1970s, and then later went on to do uh, uh, about 85, 84, and 85. He had some big hits with things like Addicted to Love with that weird music video featuring the mannequin models playing in the fake band. And then he was the lead singer of a band called Power Station, which featured a couple of guys from... Duran Duran, and their big hit was uh, a version of T-Rex's uh, Get It On. I thought Simply Irresistible was his biggest hit of all time. No, Bad Case of Loving You was big. Really? Yeah, that was probably uh, uh, his biggest. It's the one that keeps coming up on the satellite radio channels. Great. Now I got that stuck in my head. All right. Yeah, there you go. All right. So DJ Earworm puts out a new track that's a mashup of One Direction songs. I play it for my 11-year-old daughter, and she's kind of blasé about it. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought you were a huge fan. It's wifey who's the one who's been playing One Direction for my kid. <laughs> yeah, and she's the one busting a move to the track. I played it for the wrong person. Wifey, she loses her mind. Joining us now is DJ Earworm. He's in L.A. Good to have you with us. Great, great to be here. I always look forward to your United States of Pop mix at the end of every year, which is where... <laughs> DJ Earworm takes all the big hits of the past 12 months, puts them into one big mashup, runs about four minutes. And if you want earworms, there you go. They're all co- they're all collected together in about a four minute mix. But let's come back, though, to this one that you just put out. Uh, one Direction. Why have you unleashed this unholy hell of a mashup on society? Oh, I just know that there's a lot of followers, you know, and there's a there's a pent up, uh, you know, uh hunger for for that so you know i i thought i'd i'd um just give people a little bit of um what they wanted and package it in a really um compelling way it's just nostalgia comes in all forms you know and and um you know when you're 13 and and you follow a boy band and then you're 18 that's nostalgia you know i mean so it's it's condensed when you're younger. It's funny you should say that because I'm going through the comments and one of them is, oh, my God, when I was nine and 11, this was my world. And it's now that I'm 14 and all grown up. Exactly. <laughs> I haven't listened to them for ages. Exactly. So many memories of my huge obsession, Maddie Porter writes. Yeah, and, and she's she's this old wizened person at age fourteen. She's washed up, and she's already pining for the good old days when she was less stressed out. Oh, yeah, that's that's the story of everyone's life. It was always simpler back then, you know. Can we talk a little bit about the uh, the history of the mashup? I remember first hearing about them, I guess, around maybe 15, 16 years ago. And I guess this was a byproduct of the digital age when people yes. began to have. Um, audio editing software on their right. on their computers. Can you go back into the history of the mashup a little bit for us? Basically, they, they started um, 
doing audio collages back in you know the 20s 30s 40s 50s and then um i would say maybe in the 80s people started experimenting with you know to, to doing these collages with keeping the beat you know and then and then it really took off in 99 2000 with uh, the advent of uh that software you were talking about like acid and other similar um platforms which allowed people to stretch and 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 keep the tempo while while changing the pitch and and doing all sorts of great manipulation to make these edits a lot more musical yeah now that you're talking me through it i realized that this would have had its roots in the disco era when people first started beat mixing music and then right. when we when we get into rap and hip-hop the whole idea between you know having having a, a break beat and having you know scratching and, and samples over top of it with a couple of turntables and a, a fast, right. pair, pair of fast right. hands with the mixer um, the, big it, it, the big difference what happened in the in the late 90s is that we were all of a sudden able to do all of this and keep it in key right right and the i remember when this started to happen that it used to be and maybe it still is and you can tell me if i'm right or wrong that the weirder the juxtaposition of the tracks yeah. mashed up the better yes I, definitely i have a great one of my favorite mashups of all time i don't remember who did it but it was the sex pistols no feelings and madonna's ray of light Yeah. Brilliant! Absolutely brilliant. That was the, that was the classic co combo, especially in that first like uh, first half decade of, of the, the the classic era. I, I consider from like 2000 to 2005, you know, where it was more statement, you know, and you were the the recontextualization was so exciting just in and of itself, you know. Just the fact that you could hear your an old vocal over a new instrumental that that was it was super novel, you know, and so the more novel that combination, the better, you know, the more shocking. A lot, a lot of times, people were trying to undercut the original intent in a way, you know, take a rock song and make it all sappy, or, or, or just just cross these lines that weren't meant to be crossed. I, sorry, I'm fascinated by the the structure of it all and, and how you go about building these mashups in the first place. Are you getting access to variations of the track that allow you to intermingle them in a way that? removes the vocal on one mm -hmm. so that you can mm -hmm. add the vocal from another. How are you making this magic happen? Or do you have the, do you have the inside track? The, the, the key is to get those vocals. Now, sometimes I get them uh, from, you know, my, my relationships, but not, not very often at all. Like the majority of my output is using the stuff that everyone else has the same access to, you know. But you do have some guys going, hey, I'll, I'll slip you the, the version with just the vocals so that you can ISO that. That has been known to happen. Yeah. Do you go? Do you troll uh, YouTube for isolated vocal <laughs> videos that way? Or I might 
find one that's of low quality there, but it alerts me to the awareness. I mean, it makes me aware that it exists out there somewhere, you know, and if I look hard enough, maybe I can find it. But yeah, YouTube is actually a really good uh, resource because people put everything on there and it all just stays up there. What is the mashup that you have created that you're most proud of? I can't get around United State of Pop 2009 for for both what it what I did with it and also what it did for me. In what way? It's it, for me. It's like Michael Jackson Thriller. You know, it, it's it's there was life before it and life after it. I know you want pop. You want you want rock and roll. You want it. This year's remix got some phonics. Oh, I got pop. I got I got rockin' electronic beats. I got your pop music with the future flow. So come even if the sky is falling down.
The fact that you've been doing the annual State of Pop mashups for more than a decade now, has there been a change or an evolution over the last 10 years in the music? Oh, yes. Or is there a consistent theme? What's changed? The story of this decade is definitely that of an extreme mellowing out. You know, it's the evolution from female-dominated to male-dominated. It's the evolution from, you know, optimistic, um, up-tempo music to kind of um, nihilistic, down-tempo music. (laughs) And to what do you attribute that? Usually music sort of mirrors or or follows the world of politics. I blame a lot of it on Drake. (laughs) (laughs) We blame a lot of things on Drake, but okay. (laughs) He was extremely influential and and pushed everything in this moody, vague direction. You know, I don't mean that in a diss, you know. It's just... it's a little bit more abstract, you know, the, 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 the melodies are like things you can't grab a hold of them like you could of the melodies just five or ten years ago. What is uh, the state of, of, of mashups regarding regarding copyright? How do you deal it, with that? It, I think it's sort of heading towards the direction of recognize and monetize rather than take down. Yeah, no, I, that makes a lot of sense because um, Mashups existed in the world of file sharing programs in the beginning. I knew one guy who worked as a doorman at a club that I used to work at, and his whole thing was for having Napster and LimeWire and all the rest of them was to collect as many mashups as he possibly could, and then he yeah. would go and DJ his own night, and, and, his, <laughs> and his own night would be nothing but mashups. Oh, yeah, back in the day. That's so great. <laughs> that sounds like cheating to me. Well, it is cheating a little bit, but he was he was okay about it because mashups were so brand new. D- and- DJing is cheating. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not playing music; you're just sitting up there and playing someone else's music. I mean, oh. I mean, if you want to talk about cheating, <laughs> well, that's true. Um, let's. I mean, let's- I mean, playing in a band—that's work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now you'd be, you know, Dead Mouse will say, "I ah, just got to press a button on a laptop and and stand up there and wave your hands in the air and basically get three hundred fifty thousand dollars for a night." Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when you're at the, when you're at his level, that's true. Um, one final thing: uh, you have had a number of books on the art of the mashup, and and can you? Anybody who wants to get into this, and I'm absolutely fascinated. But again, it goes back to this weird juxtaposition. If you can find two songs that you have the ear to to be able to tell that they would work together uh, in 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 some fashion. What makes in 2018? What makes a great mashup? That's what I'm trying to find out. I, I want to uh, do some experiments and 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 see what uh, what formats are interesting now. You know, I, I I've been doing the same formats for for a long time, and, and I'm, I'm I'm very curious what. Uh, what else can be done. Okay, so we open up the show talking about earworms themselves and the one that I had stuck in my head. What earworm have you had stuck in your head? <laughs> it's that One Direction mashup. Lately. Oh, no! Because <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's blowing up a little bit. I imagine if you're creating these things, you have no choice but to infect yourself. It's kind of like a mad scientist who injects himself with a new drug to see what would happen. Oh yeah, you have to you have to digest it. You have you you can't you know you have to go all in, and 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 love the music like the fans love it. And the only way to do that is by listening to it you know enough times that you, you that you get it you know. DJ Earworm's latest mashup One Direction is available now on YouTube and the Seventh Circle of Hell. He joins <laughs> us from our bureau in Los Angeles. 
the sixth circle of hell. Good to have you with us. Great to be here. Thank you. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. Jalopnik reports we have a new hero for our time. Did you see this? Jalopnik. So that's that's the car site. Uh, no, what? This guy has replaced the door chime on his Volvo 240 with Toto's Africa. <laughs> Okay, first of all, the Volvo 240 is one of the most boring cars ever manufactured by anybody. So this actually would make the car probably a little bit more valuable in terms of resale. It looks like he's using that uh, ODB2 port that is buried underneath the the, uh, dashboard of your car. Right. Uh, So it looks like what he's done is he's taken the plug-in sound module under the dash and swapped it with uh, a chiptune version of the song itself, because, of course, it's not going to play a full 16-bit version. No. So, yeah. So And, and on top of that, it's the whole damn song. Oh. The moment he puts the key in the ignition. Oh, God. I just bought a uh, brand new car, and um, I'm still trying to figure out all the, the bells and whistles, literally the bells and whistles, because this thing beeps and boinks and does all kinds of things. I don't know what it is, but I, I, you know what? I have to go. I have to take advantage of that port underneath the dash because I'm going to do something with it. And I'm not really sure what. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not what I have on my car. Yeah, well, you 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 could do this yourself. There are instructions on the Intertron as to how to do it. Okay, so the uh, the car is a Jaguar. I I could have. Wait a oh, hang on. Porsche was your thing. It was for three cars. You're now a Jag driver? I didn't know you were 75. No. <laughs> no, I've pretty much got a Batmobile now. Um, we Porsche and I decided that we needed to see other people for about 39 months. So uh, that's that's what we're doing. I got to look this up on the Intertron. What, what car is it again? Jaguar F-Type 400 AWD Black. One moment, please. Oh, yeah, that is a Batmobile. Look at you. It really, it really is a Batmobile. It screams low self-esteem. I, I, yeah. It screams small penis. It really does. But you know what it also has is it's got those giant knobs for the center console, which as everyone moves towards touch screens, it's so critical that you actually have a tactile knob to turn when you need to do something to keep your eyes on the road. Yes, uh, the touch screen is a bit slow. It is. It doesn't have things like CarPlay or Android Auto yet. Oh, really? I know. Jaguar has their own in-control in, in apps. They usually suck. Um, I haven't quite worked it. I'm still learning how to use the whole thing because it's so complicated. I mean, the radio is buried under layers of menus, but it does have a rotary volume knob, so I know how to turn up the radio. Hey, I think I found a version of Toto's Africa perfect for this car. Oh, what? I just sent you the link. Oh, hang on. Here it comes. Oh, yes, I have heard this. This cover has gotten more than 15 million views on YouTube. You can buy the track on iTunes, Amazon, and Google Play. 
Leo Moraccioli featuring Rabia and Hannah. I hear the drums echoing tonight, but she hears only whispers of some quiet conversation. She's coming in 12.35, the moonlight wings reflect the stars that guide me towards salvation. I stopped a no man along the way, hoping to find some old forgotten words or ancient melody. He turned to me as if to say, hurry boy is waiting there for you. See, again, it proves that if there's a melody and uh, the lyrics work, then you can turn a song into any genre, any format, and it'll still sound good. We have a new intern on the big show. Oh, good. Who? Erin Nicholas pledged $1 and became a member of the world's worst intern program. She's got a $0 lifetime limit, so we will continue to ding her credit card until kingdom come every time we put out an episode. Rookie. (laughs) <laughs> you, don't make that, you don't make that mistake. You always go in for uh, a trial run before you decide if you're going to commit. I think she has, and this is the commitment. So we want to say thank you. Oh, okay. All right. So thank far you. in the month of March, we're up four patrons. Oh, excellent. Okay. And it just occurred to me that uh, the big show uh, has this new article. I, 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 that's a terrible segue. Meantime, at geeksandbeats.com, we got an update on this New York grand jury that decided that a rapper didn't make any actual threats when he made a video titled School Shooter. Yeah, I saw this. Uh, Amber Healy's been doing this one, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like, okay, dude, I understand artistic expression and music as a metaphor for life. But in this in this environment, do you really want to put out something called School Shooter? And if you look at the lyrics, um, you're just asking for trouble, really. Uh, you know, I'm not to tell you what you're doing as an artist, but I'm telling you as a human being, it's probably, probably too soon. Probably the bad, bad timing, you know? It sounds to you like it's more attention horror than anything else? Well, or just stupidity, you know, given what's going on in the United States of America. So March 9th, rapper Randy Ross, age 23, uh, was decided by a grand jury in New York that he didn't actually make any genuine threats in the school shooter video, and they returned a no-bill decision determining that he had not committed an actual crime. He was facing charges of making terroristic threats. Could have spent a lot of time in prison. Yeah, you know, and we can talk about how, um, you know, the white establishment goes after black rappers and all the rest of it, but I, I think that's that's muddying the waters. Do you really want to do a song called School Shooter that does have what appears to be, could be taken as threats um, out in the world at this time and place? No, I don't think so. Yeah, February 26th. It was about two weeks after the shooting in Parkland, uh, Florida. The attorney for uh, the rapper uh, had said he felt confident this would be the outcome and in an unusual term actually had the rapper himself speak to the jurors explaining his actions, which I've watched Law & Order. I know all about this. That's a really risky move. Yeah, it sure is. 
Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.